vaccination shoes. Starring Paul Schroeder as David Holloway, Christopher Nagel as Rafferty, Emily McEnany as Carrie White, Jesse Turkle as Robert Von Bismarck. Dan McClosky as the gatekeeper. Welcome to the linchpin of the Dark Shark universe. Story by Danny Atwell and Miguel Pedroza. Not my idea of a good time, Carrie. What? Damon shouted as Carrie was thrown over a Jersey wall onto the frozen ground outside. He was hiding behind a red 1984 Ford Bronco. She winced in pain as she felt the jarring hops of the creature coming toward them like small earthquakes. She got to her knees and looked at her. You twit! I needed you as a distraction! No matter how many bullets I fire at this thing, it seems to bounce off of his fur like tank armor. The bunny rabbit bared his sharp bunny teeth at Carrie as she leapt out of the way of another attempted lunge and bite. Damon thought about what to do next. Fuck! I have an idea! Now would be a great time to tell it! With your mind powers, how much can you lift? I don't know, love. Never tried it. Lift him off his feet, about four feet in the air. Are you serious? What are you going to do that we haven't done already? A sinister look came over Damon's face. <laughs> You'll see soon enough. Carrie closed her eyes tight and used her mental telekinetic powers to do what Damon asked. Remarkably, she was able to get the massive behemoth up in the air before Damon ran and slid underneath the monster. <laughs> lightsaber, Damon said as a lightsaber reminiscent of his favorite science fiction movie materialized in a golden yellow color. He looked up at the underbelly of the creature. Up your ass, Peter Cottontail. He shoved the light weapon up the rectum of the creature and proceeded to funnel his movements outwards. Buckets of blood and bile came from out of Monster and onto Damon as it writhed in agony from the power killing it. After a few more moments, the beastly bunny was no longer moving, and Carrie had a stream of blood coming down her face from her nose. Let it down now! <laughs> <sighs> Carrie let go as Damon leapt out from underneath the furry carcass and slammed it to the frozen ground. Damon tried to wipe the smelly liquids from his face and eyes as he ran toward Carrie, who had passed out. Carrie! Carrie, wake up! Come on, we did it! Carrie! He lightly slapped her face as her eyes flickered. Oh, oh dear God. What? Are you okay? Her face went into a grimace. Uh, I'm fine. A little groggy. 
You smell downright awful. <laughs> I'll make sure to get a shower the next chance we get. Mission still in progress. Target's carcass must be destroyed beyond recognition. Damon's suit said as he turned his attention back to the carcass. His fur was almost indestructible. We would have to blow him up from the inside. Carrie stood up and tried catching her breath. <sighs> Pressure from within could crack him open like an egg. That wouldn't look any more to the naked eye than a moose or a reindeer carcass. Since I'm already acquainted with this thing's butthole, I'll go from there. You get into its mouth. Damon slipped his arm into the dead beast while Carrie did the same on the other end. On the count of three, let her rip. <laughs> One. Two. Three. Both shouted as energy surged through their arms and superheated the carcass. Sounds of cracking bone and sinew made Damon a little queasy until the body bloated from the energy, torn apart from the pressure. Mission completed. The voice from Damon's suit replied. Damon laughed as he saw that Carrie was also now covered in bodily fluids. Oh. How the hell are we going to get clean? We can't very well go into town looking like this. Even if we masked ourselves, the blood would be all over the place. Uh, kind of reminds me of a book I read where ghosts were making bloody footprints in the house. If we did that, we could give a poor woman a heart attack. Carrie looked to her own sensor. Suit. Calculate the nearest body of water. Yellowstone River, approximately two miles to the east. Well, there you go. Wait a minute. That water is going to be freezing cold. It's April, not August. And what if people see us? Damon started following her only out of hesitation. But these suits will protect us from the heat and cold, right? Damon was silent as he really didn't know the answer to that question. After an icy dip into the river to wash off the mess, Carrie and Damon had made their way to a motel nearby. Carrie was right in that the suits kept them alive and the suits heated up to protect them from hypothermia. They had one room left with two double beds, but that was nothing for them. It was becoming increasingly obvious that they enjoyed each other's company, and rooming together was not just out of habit, but preference. As they entered the room, Carrie walked toward the bathroom. Oh, I'm going to get a real shower. The river helped, but I still don't feel very clean. I'm with you there. I probably will go next. Damon locked the room behind them. The room was nice, but it reminded him of all of his family vacations he took before entering his new life. Ugh, my dad would have hated this room. Carrie poked her head out of the bathroom. What did you say, Damon? I said my father would have hated this room. He was never a person who liked floral patterns and motifs and shit. <laughs> I can imagine. From the stories you've told me, I doubt there's very much that pleased him unless it was catered directly to him. She closed the door, but left it open a crack. Did she do this on purpose, Damon thought. Normally, Damon would not have hesitated to look upon Carrie's naked body, but he realized the cliché of it all. He always felt that he was more of a gentleman than most guys at his school. Maybe it had something to do with the lack of influence from his father, but it gave him more of an appreciation for the female members of the human race. Instead, Damon sat down on one of the double beds in the room. The six o'clock news came on as Damon watched with rapt anticipation. The suit claimed that their mission was complete, but there was no doubt the situation was newsworthy. A sigh of relief came over him as the evening news report ended, as the weatherman came on for the 10-day forecast. 
Nothing. <sighs> After her shower, Carrie came out of the bathroom wrapped in a towel, her visage radiant, but quizzical as if she expected something that didn't occur. She remained silent about it, though, as Damon averted his eyes. My turn, huh? Yes, yes it is. Damon stood up and stretched. <sighs> Nothing about our escapades today was on the news. Looks like our mutant bunny carcass didn't warrant it to be headline news. Oh, that's wonderful, Damon. She said as he walked into the bathroom himself and began taking off the gray unitard as well. He saw that her suit was still inside. He thought nothing of it as he turned on the shower. After the luxurious hot water had revitalized him and cleansed him of impurities, he put his uniform back on and walked out of the bathroom with Carrie's suit. She was lying under the covers on her bed. You... you left your suit in the bathroom. Oh, thank you. Just put it over there. But... But what? I have no intention currently of sleeping in that thing. He looked at his bed, clutching the towel around himself. You can sleep in the buff too. I don't mind. Uh... Oh, come on. We're basically joined at the hip. She pulled the covers back to gaze at her naked body. Damon blushed. Carrie, what are you doing? This is what you wanted, isn't it? Take a real good look, love. I admire that you treat me with respect. I really do. But remember, I can read minds. I see how you look at me and what you think of me. It doesn't matter. I think it does. Carrie stood up from the bed and walked toward him. No. Please, I... I have to tell you something. Carrie grabbed Damon and kissed him on the lips deeply. After a moment, she pulled away and gazed longingly in his eyes. I know. You, you know? It's kind of hard to avoid these things when we talk. I recall the incident with your future self. Those are private thoughts, Carrie. And what do you think that brings up? And my future self is telling me to tell you that he loved you. I know what it means. That's why I've been acting the way that I have. I caught a glimpse of it from Bismarck. I know that at some point I'm going to die. She held his face into her hands. This is why I was disturbed. But then I realized that this could happen tomorrow, 500 years from now. The time's irrelevant to us, and time's also of the essence. I love you too, my angel. Before Damon could slip another kiss in, the suit's sensors began going off in tangent, and very wildly. What the fuck? This is lousy timing. Damon looked down at the display on his arm. Oh, what is it? What now? As the readings began to show on his screen, he squinted in disbelief. The suit is picking up a large gathering of defilers in a warehouse near here. We need to investigate. Carrie walked to her suit and began to put it on. All right. We'll come back to this. Let's go. But first. Do you have concerns about your sleep quality? Laying back and taking a nap on the perfect mattress can be serene. But when it's time for you to take that great dirt nap, the one that lasts forever, you need to make those considerations too. Choose McGee's Funeral Home for all your kicking the bucket needs. When it's time to take that dirt nap and go belly up, you want to be in the most comfortable and serene place possible. No snoring spouses here. 
that we know about. McGee's Funeral Home, here for you when you need to take that long dirt nap. 30-day home trial of gravesites not available. McGee's Funeral Home will not pick up previously owned gravesites. Headstones sold separately. Cremations will not be refunded. Premium dirt not available in all locations. McGee's Funeral Home is a take good one. Tune in to the new season of Fun With Dirt, exclusively on Dark Charm Radio Shows, wherever you get your podcasts. The lamppost arrived 20 yards away as Damon and Carrie followed the signature of the horde to a large warehouse just outside of the already isolated town near Billings. Their gear was set, their sensors screaming as they slowly walked into the place. The door was kicked in with ease. It wasn't locked in the first place. As they walked further inside, there was a single man, dressed in a beige lab coat with a Hawaiian shirt and khakis. Leather slippers adorned his feet. He looked up at them from the workbench he was standing at. Concoctions abound strewn about it. Papers pinned to the wall with equations and hypotheticals. He raised his hands in surrender. Oh good, I was wondering if there was, uh, some form of authority set up to deal with us remnants. He spoke with an affluent accent and turned to face them. The two closed the distance a bit and stopped when they got a better view of him. What skin that was exposed was darkly pigmented, almost completely black. One hand looked like it belonged on a werewolf, clawed and hairy. The other looked mostly human and normal, except for visible veins. His face was mostly normal, however one eye had completely gone gold, affirming to them that he was part of the defiling horde. The other eye was sky blue. He put on his best smile to try and further disarm them, but his teeth were all sharp and in rows, the shark-like unlike most of the defilers they've encountered. His neck at his shirt was showing the corruption creeping into his face and hairline. What are you? I'm not sure anymore. Truth be told. What's a remnant? Aren't you defilers? Oh, that's what we usually refer to ourselves as. Debilitating, that is. Calling yourselves defiling when you have no choice over where you go. So remnant is what we label ourselves. We? Despite his calm demeanor, Damon was still on edge, weapon ready. Yes, temporally displaced individuals. At least that's what the hidden history and texts I could find referred to us as. Carrie shared her concern mentally, but continued. So there's more of you. The man nodded solemnly and asked permission to flip a switch. I'm serious. Don't do anything stupid. (laughs) Nothing of the sort. Again, the man smiled and very, very slowly toggled a switch on his desk. The lights in the rest of the warehouse came on one by one, and at the very back of the structure was a concrete room, one small window, one door that looked like it belonged on a bank vault, and a screen above the entire thing that was at least four feet long and three feet wide. On the screen, connected by wires to cameras inside the concrete room, was displayed no less than 75 defilers. Screaming, gnashing, skin pitch black, and large gold eyes with no pupils, writhing in misery inside. The owl-like features were more apparent to these wretches. 
What the actual fuck? Carrie let slip out as Damon was surprised at her use of vulgar language. Oh, uh, those are the others that came here with me. Oh, my name, uh, forgive my lack of manners, is Jacob Sloan. I'm a biomechanical engineer. Where I was in my original world. <laughs> Start explaining. And make it quick. Both the agents trained their weapons on him. Sloan raised his hands in defense. Uh, okay, I can explain. No problem. I'll be as quick as possible. Would you like to sit down? Both agents declined. He dropped his hands and continued. Ninety-six days ago, as I've been keeping tabs, I was in a reality that was being erased. Have you ever seen that? It's an amazing sight, like slowly closing the lens on a camera. Anyway, someone offered a few of us a chance to migrate to another timeline or alternate dimension, depending on how you look at it. Many of us said yes, I had to. My wife Brandy and my two sons Marcus and Shepard were the only thing I had left worth saving. Uh, the effects weren't immediate. In fact, they only started presenting themselves about 12 days ago. And after the initial presentation, the decline was increased. Incredibly rapid. I don't know how much of my own sanity or human features I will have left soon. You can already tell by- Jacob held up his left hand to show them what was going on. Blood dripped slightly from his mouth as his razor-sharp teeth were cutting his unfamiliar gums. He wiped his mouth on his sleeve. Sorry, I can't help it. How are you still... you? As far as I can tell, Plutonium Complex B. Plutonium? Like radiation? Yes. I've been able to figure out the issue. See, temporal radiation is something we're all born into. The light of our suns, the stars, even the radiation of heat from our surroundings are constantly at play. In our own reality, we are immune to it, born with the natural acceptance of it. When we are moved away from that reality, we are exposed to a different type of wavelength and level of that radiation. Each reality and time is different. Exposure to that temporal radiation causes vast mutations and quick degradation of the upper senses. While it doesn't kill physically, it does kill mentally. I've managed to stave off most of the effects by exposing myself to radiation that exists in this world that negates most of the effects of the change. <gasps> Wait a minute. You found a cure. Unfortunately, no. I thought I might have several days ago, but the last of my experiments went south really quickly. 
My son Shepard finally succumbed to it, and now it's with the rest of my family in that bunker. <laughs> I'll succumb to the effects within the next 18 to 20 hours. It seems that the best I've been able to do, I couldn't save my family or the others. Damon surveyed the large room and noticed no one else. Your family is all in that bunker? Jacob's eyes watered as he gestured hopelessly to the containment unit that he'd built. Somewhere in there. I failed them. I failed us. Damn that man who came to Hurley. Do you remember his name? If Hurley told me, I can't even remember now. Damon couldn't help but feel for the man's plight and couldn't hide the sorrow in his own voice. So what happens now? I rigged this whole place to incinerate itself as soon as I close that door one more time. There'll be little trace of me or the other 82 the people that came. We'll be wiped out. No problems left for you folks or the people of this reality. We know we're the apparent ones here. We should have died with our universe. You can help us get justice for you. Try to remember who brought you here and how. We can find them. <laughs> I wish I could tell you. I was brought by Jim Hurley, a colleague of mine. He's in there as well. I had no direct contact with the one that did it. I'm sorry. It was another dead end, as it could have been anyone in the higher-ups of the Defiling Horde. Bismarck, Moloch, or even that Beetlejuice guy himself with his gay lover. However, the information they just received was invaluable. The conversation about whether to stay or leave was shared mentally between the two watchmen, and staying was the best answer to ensure that the job got done. <sighs> if you don't mind, you're going to have to make sure... I'm in that door, and it closes, and the threat is actually gone. I understand my place in this. That portable screen will give you a view in here until the moment of ignition. And that remote trigger device will set off the incendiary's bombs, just in case I am unable to complete the task. It will take the warehouse up with us, as if it were a mere gas leak. <coughs> Carrie walked over and picked up the two items. There's also all my research in the thumb drive taped to that trigger. Maybe it can help someone else. Uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to be alone for a while before I do this. It was nice to meet you, though I never got your names. But that's fine. I won't be alone long enough to have a reason to remember them. Damon and Carrie nodded their agreement as their weapons dematerialized back into the suit, though their suits were still on high alert. They left to the large warehouse and waited by the lamppost nearby. 
On the small screen on Damon and Carrie's arm, they had synced the feed to it. They watched the silent feed of Jacob sobbing, letting out a scream that they could still hear from outside, and finally walking from his makeshift laboratory into the containment room. He went through with it. Damon confirmed as they both waited for the blast. It came as it was nearly deafening. The heat was immense, even with the protection of their suits. A while later, smoke cleared and debris settled, and their scanner showed zero presence of the horde inside. It was time to go. Mission completed. By the time they had gotten back to the motel room, the excitement of the evening wore away any sense of romance, except that both slept in the same beds as reruns of Sanford and Son played in the background. Damon was awakened by the sounds of the Star-Spangled Banner being played by the network signing off on their broadcasting day. He got up from the bed, turned off the television, and walked to the bathroom to use it. His eyes were slightly closed and half asleep as he went to the bathroom. You really shouldn't take off that suit unless it's absolutely necessary. Jesus! A raspy voice said from behind him. Damon jumped into a defensive position and continued to pee straight on the floor. He then stopped and saw that it was an elderly woman with a raspy voice. I'm not Jesus, and I would kindly prefer you put your pecker away. We need to talk. Who are you? My sister Clotho is your boss. I'm Atropos. I'm the head of the powers that will be. What? What? What can I do for you? Do you want me to wake up Carrie? No, no, don't worry about that. You have a new task, and it's a joint collaboration between departments. Damon squinted as he interrupted her. Has anyone ever told you that you look like Ma Fratelli from the Goonies? Yeah, I get that a lot. And if you interrupt me again, I will knock you on your blockhead, kid. Sorry, continue. Do you know what a soul bank is? No, but can I make an assumption that it's a bank of souls? Soul banks are vessels that collect the souls of the dead funneled from battlefields all over the realm of Earth. They can be used as a source of energy, a bomb, or a conversion into an army of its own right. So, any war on Earth that had massive casualties fed this thing? A percentage. A lot of those souls bypassed that kind of torture and made their way to the great beyond. But a lot of souls were funneled into a new soul bank, created by who we think is a necromancer of the Black Legion after the American Civil War. The deaths of the World Wars, Vietnam, and countless other wars have built this bank well. I am guessing there is a reason why you need Watchmen to assist in this. Ow! Told you not to interrupt me. Damon rubbed his face. Sorry. Moloch has agreed to assist Bilal in the storming of Limbo, and from there to storm the gates of heaven itself. In doing this, they have funneled the souls of quadrillions of dead soldiers from all of the realities and timelines destroyed by the Master's forces into this new soul bank. Wow, that's a lot of souls. You bet it is, kiddo. That's why I need you and your girlfriend too. Oh, she's not mine. Atropos slapped him again in the head. Damon covered his head and covered okay, his genitals. Okay, okay, she is my girlfriend. Next time you interrupt, I will knuckle-tap you in the nuts. Got me? Clear. Like Crystal. Damon put his hands back on his naked genitals. Get some rest. 
I'll be sending an emissary to retrieve you and carry in a few hours. They will debrief you personally on a battle plan. Yes, ma'am. I'll be going back to bed right now. Damon replied in apprehension, praying to God mentally that she didn't hit him again. Atropos nodded to him and disappeared into thin air. After Damon cleaned up the urine from the floor, he tried to silently walk back to bed with Carrie. He got inside the covers before he heard a minuscule peep from her. I hope you cleaned the pee from the floor, Damon. I did? The next morning, Carrie and Damon walked back to the lamppost. Carrie smiled. Who slapped the piss out of you? Just let it go. <laughs> you have red marks all over the right side of your face. I said just let it go. Once they arrived at the lamppost, a brilliant light as if a portal opened from another universe. Carrie's eyes widened. What is... Out of the portal, three beings clad in shining golden armor exited. They had broad wings from their backs, and one in particular carried a flaming sword in his hand. Good morning, Watchman Holloway and White. The wielder of the flaming sword said. Carrie's eyes were wide open. They... they are... No, you're not going crazy. They are archangels. But I am unafraid. Their forms are friendly to my mind. Indeed we are. This is Camiel to my left, and this is Baruchiel to my right. I am Michael, and we are most happy to see you too. Fascination Street by The Cure. Glory of Love by Peter Cetera. Special Effects by Zapsplat.com. Dark Charm Media Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.